0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, Media Matters exposes my sordid past as an obscure shock jock morning radio host. They believe that this will be the thing that finally brings me down. But, spoiler alert, that's not going to happen. Also, Vox admits that uh, kids are being transitioned, but argues that we have to do it for their own sake. Joe Biden declares that uh, the debate over climate change is over because of Hurricane Ian. And a mother shows up to a school board meeting Dressed like a drag queen, but she's trying to make a point and doing it rather brilliantly, I think. We'll talk about all that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. <music> With the consumer price index increasing yet again, the stock market has been in absolute turmoil. What is the current administration doing to quell the surge of inflation? Well, spending more taxpayer dollars. Don't bury your head in the sand while your savings deplete. Diversify into gold with Birch Gold today. Text Walsh to 989898, and Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. The experts over at Birch Gold have almost 20 years of experience in converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs. With an A-plus rating and the Better Business Bureau, um, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, Why haven't you checked them out yet for yourself? Gold has always been your best hedge against inflation. A diversified savings can protect you from downturns in the market. Text Walsh to 989898 and Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on diversifying into gold tax-free. Take the necessary steps to hedge against inflation today and protect your hard-earned money. Get your free info kit by texting Walsh to 989898 now. So now it's my turn. And I expected that something like this might happen. It had to, had to happen. Uh, I've been successful in fighting against the left's agenda, especially the trans agenda, and especially recently. Those who support the sexual mutilation of children know full well that I am a threat to them because we're winning and they're losing. And they know that too. And they can't engage with our, with our arguments. They can't uh, oppose us on the battlefield of ideas So instead they look for another way. And now they're convinced they found their kill shot against me by using the same method they always use, which is digging up ancient history, doing the internet equivalent of rummaging through garbage cans to find things that were done and said years ago, which can be used to defame and they hope silence me today. So yes, my, my, PR team over at Media Matters apparently wasn't satisfied to promote just my current show and all the work they do there. So they decided to go back 15 years to my time as a rock radio host on an obscure station in uh, Delaware, which is also an obscure state. And they spent, it would seem, many tedious hours listening to segments and bits from my time as a shock jock in my early 20s. It could not have been easy to sit through. Um, I, I commend their persistence, at least. And now they've compiled their findings into an expose that promises to reveal my, quote, sordid past. Honestly, I, I never thought of myself as having a sordid past. I figured my life was far too boring and sort of uh, banal and normal for that. But it turns out that I'm a more interesting person than I had previously thought. So as for the vultures at Media Matters and the leftists who've picked up this hit piece and run with it, um, they are not very interesting. They are doing what they always do. They're as pathetic and desperate as I've always known them to be. The left, they're not interested in investigating children's hospitals that literally castrate and butcher children. In fact, such investigations, I've been told, are an act of terrorism. But they will take the time to scour the internet for evidence that I made offensive remarks when I was 23 years old. That, in their minds, is far more relevant to the public. It's a matter of, uh, of greater national urgency, they think. So, with that in mind, let's talk now, if this is what they want to talk about, for a few moments about the deep, dark secrets of my past, the skeletons that have been hiding in my closet, waiting to be discovered by intrepid reporters, at Media Matters. I will tell you the whole ghastly story, even the parts that Media Matters didn't include. I'll tell you the whole story. So when I was 20 years old, I moved into a one bedroom apartment in a small town in Delaware and started working at a rock station with a staggering audience that easily reached into the hundreds, I think. Those are my humble beginnings, or, or maybe the dark and sinister origins of the world's most notorious terrorists, depending on who you listen to. So I worked at the station until I was uh, 25. For a couple of years during that period, I hosted a morning show where we often did flout the rules of political correctness, as was the custom on morning radio at the time. In their hit piece, Media Matters presents evidence that I used racially insensitive humor, that I told inappropriate jokes that I engaged in lots of offensive activities. All of that, of course, is true. Um, they also accuse me of physically abusing our radio interns by tasing one of them as a joke. That's also true. And I submit, still funny. In fairness, I got tased too. In fact, I invented a game back in those days called Taser Trivia, where, as the name suggests, you are asked trivia questions, and if you get it wrong, you get taste. Uh, Media Matters didn't post that video, uh, but but they should have because it's quite shocking, literally and figuratively. So I'll post it for you now. Here it is. The category will be science and nature. Okay. And the three question: What astrological chart takes its name from a Greek word meaning... Circle of Little Animals. Oh, no! <laughs> no! Hold on. All right. Astrological chart that takes its name from what? Circle. Let me read this again. Oh, this so sucks, I guys. getting the taser out. Circle of I Little know. Animals. Circle of Little Animals. The circle <gasps> of life. Um, um, uh, it, uh. <laughs> Just answer uh, it! Uh, the answer is, uh, uh. Uh, the uh the chart of um of uh the chart of magnesia oh, come on. Oh. Oh. now if i should be canceled for anything uh it for it should be for for being such a such a pansy in that video uh, that was embarrassing actually Get it together. I mean, it does hurt to get to get tased. And for some reason, we decided to add the blindfolds into it as well to just make it more because you never know when the tase is coming. Our biggest mistake was that we use trivial pursuit questions. We use like old school trivial pursuit as the questions for taser trivia. I don't think anyone got the answer right. So we just got tased 50 times. Anyway, that's the sort of content that you missed out on if you didn't live in southern Delaware in the early 2000s. But there's more. Media Matters reveals that I once challenged the intern to lick the inside of a dumpster. Which again is true, but the part they leave out is that afterwards we called a doctor on the air to find out what sort of diseases he might have picked up from the stunt. And from what I recall, the answer was uh, many. Also, again, as Media Matters exposes, like any other hacky morning show at the time, we did prank calls and some of the prank calls were Offensive by current standards. Sometimes on a call, I would imitate a black man. On one occasion, I attempted to portray a man with split personalities, one of whom was black and the other white. It was very high concept sort of work. And it it worked better on paper than it did in execution, I could tell you. But not all of our prank calls were racially charged. Only most of them were. We did one where I called a hotel pretending to be, pretending to be a wizard who had left his magical sword in his room. It was, I think without question, the nerdiest prank call anyone has ever made. And it deserves to be recognized as such in the Guinness Book of World Records, I submit. But Media Matters didn't include that video in their expose. Maybe they can find room for it in the follow-up that I'm sure is coming. Uh, Yet it wasn't all fun and games. Media Matters reports that I made politically inflammatory statements, including at a Tea Party rally where I got into an argument with a guy in the audience while I was on the stage, and it ended with me calling him, "and quote, old fart. Um, That's the kind of devastating insult I could throw around before I became one myself. But my political extremism wasn't confined to yelling at people at uh, Tea Party rallies. One thing Media Matters doesn't mention, perhaps doesn't know, but now they will, is that I ran for mayor of my town um, at that time, and and I lost by a vote of, if I remember correctly, 450 to 26. The campaign ultimately floundered because I never uh, campaigned, and also I had no platform of any kind, and I mainly just entered the race because I thought it would be funny, and it was. And also, I really wanted to try my hand at making a corny campaign ad where I say absolutely nothing of substance, And that, at the end of the day, was really the only reason I ran, was just so that I could do this. Here it is. All right, if we're going to get this belt off, we need to remove the alternator and slip past the water pump. Let me get that half-inch socket. Thanks. All right, why don't you give it a shot here? Oh, hey, how's it going? Friend Crank here got himself stranded again. Car broken down. You know something? Just strikes me. I think Georgetown's a little broken down too, don't you? But don't worry. Sometimes you just need a friend to come by and help you out of a jam. And that's all I'm gonna do as mayor of Georgetown. But to fix a car, just like to fix a broken city, you need a few things. First of all, the right tools. A wrench? Well, works perfect for a car, but not for a city. To fix a city, what you need is some integrity. a Little bit of honesty. How about some character? And then there was that LSD we talked about earlier. Loyalty, strength, and devotion. I truly can't believe I only got 26 votes. But it doesn't end there. Other leftists have uh, joined the hunt, digging up their own evidence. And uh, this is when the pile-on pile starts happening, right? Uh, one of them starts it and says, look at all these terrible things. And then uh, everyone else says, I'm going to find more terrible things. And they did. They found more terrible thing- things. One now viral video that's making the rounds online shows me and my co-host burning a book over a charcoal grill. And then we then dance around the flames and make whooping noises like Indians. That's all real. You see that video, it's 100% real. We really did that. But the backstory is that we had the author of that book, whose name I forget, on the show, and he annoyed us for reasons that I also forget. So we said we were going to burn his book in reprisal, and we did. And again, it was funny though in hindsight, probably not the best thing to do in the middle of a political campaign. But the left is not satisfied to merely accuse me of racism, terrorism, political extremism, workplace violence. They're also absurdly claiming that I advocated child brides. And for that bit of defamation, they are using another segment from over a decade ago, where we discussed the issue of teen pregnancy. And I pointed out that in the past, Teen pregnancy wasn't considered a problem because people got married younger. I was attempting to highlight, in an admittedly awkward and rambling way in my early 20s, riffing off the top of my head during a rock morning show to an audience of almost no one at the time, the fact that unwed pregnancy is a core problem that plagues our society, and it's still a problem even when the unwed pregnant person is an adult. So no matter the age, I argued at the time, pregnancies become a crisis when they happen outside of marriage, without a stable family structure in place to care for the child. This was, again, not an issue in earlier times because people got married young and stayed married. That's not the way our society is today, though, of course. At its core, it's a rather uncontroversial historical observation, but the left has latched on to this point from years ago and tried to use it to flip the groomer label around on me, accusing me of, quote, promoting teen pregnancy and even uh, child rape, as some of the Libelous statements would have it. This is a defamatory lie. They know it's a lie and it shows how desperate they are. They've chosen the most toxic smears available because smears are all they have. Now, in summary, my enemies have thrown every last thing they can at me, the whole kitchen sink and a few of the appliances to go along with it. I'm not the first person to get this treatment, obviously. I certainly won't be the last. Their objective is nothing less than the wholesale destruction of my life and my career. That's what they're going for. That's the price they expect me to pay for opposing them effectively. They hope to force me to submit and apologize, at which point, of course, as it goes, they'll shoo me away with my tail between my legs, out of public view, out of the arena, off into obscurity. This is my punishment, you know, the life sentence they expect me to serve for trying to stop them From abusing and butchering children. And it's not just me they're after. You know they want to send a message to everybody else. They want to send a message to you. That if you stand up against them. This is what happens. They want to make me into another head on a spike. One of many. They put out on the edge of town. A warning to anyone else. Who might think about disobeying their rules. So here's my official answer. For the record. Um kiss my ass. I do not apologize. In fact, by all rights, you sick freaks should be the ones apologizing to me for lying and defaming me and doing it all because I'm trying to prevent you from sexually mutilating children. You damned monsters, you child abusing psychopaths. I wouldn't apologize to you soulless parasites if I had a gun to my head. Instead, I'd rather just tell you all to piss off. I apologize for nothing. I concede nothing. I will never surrender even a single inch of ground to a pitchfork mob of degenerate morons. You know, the secret they never say out loud is that nobody is truly canceled unless they consent to it and they willingly play their assigned roles. Well, I do not consent, and I'm not going to play the game, I'm not going anywhere, I am more motivated than ever to oppose you and to fight against everything you stand for because I hate everything you stand for, and I hate it more with each passing day. So you can try to humiliate me, you can try to ruin my reputation You can accuse me of all of the most heinous crimes That you can invent in your tiny, feverish little brains But I am not going anywhere Staying in a fight, never leaving I promise you that Also for the record, I will always maintain That tasers are a wonderful source of comedy That's not going to change either Now let's get to our five headlines. You know, the left is losing their faith, but uh, we're not. And a core part of that faith is prayer. I talk a lot about stressful things all day, and you might feel a little overwhelmed with where the country is going. But I've got good news. Hallow can help you find some peace and hope rooted not in the government or its institutions. But in God, Hallow has over 5,000 audio-guided prayers, meditations, and peaceful Christian music, including uh, the Rosary with Bishop Barron and Mark Wahlberg. The, uh, they've got Bible bedtime stories with Jonathan Rumi, Jonathan Rumi and many more as well. Hallow helps you build and a, a daily routine and a habit of prayer. It helps me to. Pray to meditate and sleep better. It's a huge part of my daily routine, and it should be for you, too. Get an exclusive three-month trial of Hallow at Hallow.com slash Matt Walsh. That's Hallow.com slash Matt Walsh. Reclaim your peace in this crazy world. Download Hallow today. You know, the one other thing to note here before we move on is that uh, this is a problem that the left is going to have, is that I am uncancelable. I mean, they literally can't do it. You cannot cancel me. It is impossible. And uh, one of the reasons that it's impossible is, as I said, I don't consent to it. I'm not going to go along with it. And you always need the person to go along with it. And the other reason is that I work for The Daily Wire, um, who I have their full support and their full backing. And that hasn't changed, never is going to change. Um, that's one of the great things about The Daily Wire, is that Daily Wire also does not consent to taking part in cancel campaigns, especially ones that are so transparently devised to distract from all of the, the victories that we're achieving, uh, which is another reason why you know uh, if you do support Daily Wire, I thank you for that. And if you don't, if you're not a member yet, you should really think about uh, joining, joining the team. Speaking of things that we're fighting against, I've had this on the docket for several days and I haven't gotten to it yet. So uh, now seems like a good time to get to it. We'll begin the five headlines with it. This is from Vox. And uh, the headline is, what's so scary about a transgender, t- transgender child? And then the subheading, stop worrying about what happens if we let kids transition. Worry about what happens if we don't. So this is, the, this is of course, how the narrative works, is that first we're told, I mean, for, for months and months and months, we've been told, that what is, they're not transitioning children. What are you talking about? That's crazy. That's not happening. That's misinformation. You're making that up. And now they're saying, uh, what do you mean? What's, what's the big deal with trans? In fact, uh, we have to transition them because it's, uh, it's if we don't, the, the scary thing is if we don't transition them. So we, it's, it's, that's not happening. That would never happen. Also, it is happening and it must happen. And you're a terrible person if you don't want it to happen. So they are asserting all of those things at the same exact time simultaneously. Uh, reading a little bit from the article it says Lily Osler, who is, uh, who is disclosure a friend in parentheses, perfectly captures the terror of puberty for trans kids in a Waco Tribune-Herald piece exploring Texas's ongoing crackdown on trans youth. Now, quoting it says, puberty blockers are reversible, but the puberty that transgender kids would go through without them isn't. Puberty writes itself into our bones. Without blockers and at an appropriate age, hormones, it forces transgender girls who are girls like any other to grow facial hair and broad angular features. And forces transgender boys to grow breasts and wide hips. <laughs> you have to you have to appreciate that sentence there. It forces transgender girls who are girls like any other to grow facial hair and broad angular features. Well, uh, that would seem to indicate that they're not girls like any other. I mean, if they're growing full on beards and you know they and 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 uh, the if they're growing. Uh, the features of a, of a boy, then it would seem a pretty good indication that they're not girls like any other. Um, and what forces it? They? they say it forces, it forces. So what, what, are we, what are we talking about here? We're talking about nature. We're talking about it. It is so incoherent to talk about puberty this way. It's incoherent to talk about the, the development of the human body in this way. It's like if I said, um, you know, I, I am forced to be six foot one. It's really like six and foot three quarters, but we'll call it six foot one. I am forced to be six foot one. Now, on on some level, that's true, I guess. I mean, I I don't I don't have a choice in the matter. I don't decide what my height is, but it's such an odd and misleading way of putting it, isn't it? Intentionally misleading. Because force sounds like there's some existential you know force there's like another, there's some other force out there some someone who's doing this to you who's making you like someone made me be six foot one give or take when that is just that's just nature that's that's, that's simply what I am um continues its effects can only be reversed by very expensive and difficult to access surgeries in adulthood and even then only partially. Uh, Continuing, it says, uh, quote, this is not experimental care. This is care that's been around in a very formal fashion for over 50 years, said Michelle Forcier, a professor at Browns University Medical School and co-editor of Pediatric Gender Identity. We know that there are studies that demonstrate efficacy and safety. Um, It's also interesting that Michelle Forcier, we we read an article, I I forget which article it was, we read an article last week, where she, she popped up and she was featured in the article. So, uh, she obviously is in what is a woman. We talked to her in what is a woman, and now I'm very loath to say to say the sentence I'm about to say, but t- to her credit, maybe she is at least willing to talk about this, sort of willing. I mean, she, she well, she threatened to get up and, and leave the room multiple times during our, during our conversation, but she did sit there. Um, she's at least willing to defend sort of gender ideology. But it just goes to show that there are so few willing to publicly defend it. There are so few who are willing to publicly defend it even to sympathetic people, even in a, in, a, in, a, in a sympathetic context, like talking to Vox. There are so few who are willing to do it because they know that they're, at some level, they know their position is indefensible. So there's a, there's a relatively small, even though this ideology has gripped hold of our whole society, there's a relatively small uh Circle of people who they have to pull from. And anytime they want to write write an article promoting this stuff, there's only a few people they can, that that are available because only a few people are willing to actually defend this stuff. Um, continues, the recent hyper focus on trans youth is largely a media invention, says Jules, uh, Jill Peterson, a history professor at Johns Hopkins University. Trans people and trans youth were never really objects of the media until recently. I really don't think most people ever encountered the idea that they shared the world with trans youth until the last ten years. Well, that I actually agree with. Yeah, I know this is not how they mean it, but quote trans youth. Yeah, that, that is an invention of the media, and not just the media. I mean academia, the medical industry, uh, lots of other institutions, but largely the media. This is this is, and you're right. It's, it's, it's absolutely correct that up until 10 years ago, nobody was really talking about trans kids. And we're talking about it now uh, because of the media. But that's because the trans kids didn't exist prior to about 10 years ago. There, there were almost none at all. There were almost no kids who would identify as trans 10 years ago or before that. Now there are a whole bunch, thanks to the media and social media and all these other institutions. Um it says, uh, the recency of the hypervisibility powers the notion that trans healthcare is somehow still experimental, abstracting something that is fraught with life and death stakes. For a trans person, the changes dictate by the body uh, that they were born into prove incredibly painful, destabilizing, or even life-threatening. Jack Turbin. So I told you, they're always pulling from the same pool of people. And Jack Turbin's is another guy that that, uh, that always pops up in these articles because there are only a few that are willing to talk about it. The risks of withholding gender-affirming care, he says, vary from patient to patient, but often involve things like worsening anxiety, depression, and suicidality. Recent legislation to take affirming medical care as an option away across the board is extremely dangerous and will lead to bad outcomes. A 2022 study published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal found that trans teens were 7.6 times more likely to attempt suicide than their cis peers. And I mean, that's that's pretty much the article. I mean, it goes on much longer than that. But uh, and yet again, you know, that part is also true. That, uh, the suicidality among trans-identified people is, I mean, it's at least 7.6 times higher. I've, I've, you know, there are some statistics that would say, you know, 10 times higher or more. Um, the attempted suicide rate, I think, is like 40% or something around there. It's just, it's, these are staggering numbers. But what they, what, what, what what they don't tell you is, uh, they don't tell you two things. First of all, they don't tell you that it is the, the, the disconnect that a person has. You know, the fact that they have delusions about themselves, the fact that they're not able to accept themselves for who they are. We talked about self-acceptance yesterday, true self-acceptance, accepting yourself for who you really are. If you're not able to do that, if you're having trouble doing that, then, yeah, that's going to lead to despair. That's going to lead to hopelessness. And uh, in, the, in the most tragic scenarios, it leads suicide. So what do you do about that? Well, you help someone to accept themselves. You help them to understand who they actually are and that it's good to be who they are. And there's nothing wrong with it. And they should embrace it. And yes, there are there are many different ways to be who you are. So if you're a boy, that doesn't mean that every boy has to wear exactly the same thing, like they're all walking around in uniforms all the time, or they all have to have exactly the same hobbies or exactly the same temperaments and personalities. There are many different ways to to, to be yourself, but you are yourself and you can't change that. And the other thing they don't tell you is that, yes, the suicide rate is high, but are there studies proving that this gender-affirming care reduces uh, the suicide rate? And the answer is no, they'll tell you that there are. But the answer, in fact, is no. And the only long-term incredible study on this has shown that, in fact, suicide rate is highest after transition than before. All right, Joe Biden went down to Florida to get in the way during the cleanup efforts. And he also said this. We're in a situation where the Colorado River looks more like a stream. There's a lot going on. And I think the one thing this has finally ended is a discussion about whether or not there's climate change and we should do something about it. But folks, I also want to. Uh, Jill and I have had you all in our prayers. So the the hurricane ends the discussion about climate change. Why does it do that exactly? I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to draw the figure out the connection, and I, I don't see it. So so why would this particular hurricane end the discussion about climate change? Now, does it end the discussion about whether there is climate change? For the millionth time, we can't really end that discussion because there never was a discussion about that. No one is debating that. Nobody denies that the the climate's changed. The climate is in a constant state of flux. It's changing all the time. It changes every second of every day. Um, in fact, everything you know that that's, that's everything in life. That's one of the uh, sometimes bittersweet, sometimes tragic. But but uh, you know, it's just a, it's a reality of life that everything changes all the time. If you, it, it you know. If I were to get up and leave this room, and then I come back to it five seconds later, nothing in this room is exactly the same as it was before I left, because on some even at even at maybe at a level that I can't see at a microscopic level, things are changing and moving around all the time, right? Um, and then when you when you expand that out to the macro, that is uh, certainly even more the case, and something like the climate, which is by its nature volatile, ever changing, ever developing, so. It doesn't end that conversation because there never was any conversation. But I, th- I think what he really means is that it ends the conversation, it ends the debate about um, the degree to which human beings contribute to climate change. And he also thinks it ends the debate about uh, you know whether or not we should put all these various policies that Democrats support in place to combat climate change. That's what he really means. And as far as that goes, uh, I'm not sure. Does he think this is the first hurricane that's ever happened? Why would this hurricane end the conversation, but not the hurricane before that, or that, or that, that? Or why not the next one? Because the other thing about the climate is that uh, along with changing all the time, as I said, it's volatile and in a constant state of flux. And that means that that it's it's constantly creating um, catastrophic weather events all the time, including hurricanes. And that has happened for literally... Billions of years. All right, this is from Daily Wire. It says, months after an Ohio school high school hosted a drag event featuring multiple performers who encouraged students to explore their gender identities, one mother wearing the same outfit as one of the performers blasted school board members over their alleged failure to address parental concerns. So she came to the school board meeting wearing one of the outfits that, that, that a, a drag performer at the school had worn. And she was doing that to make a point. As revealed by a previous report from The Daily Wire and uh, videos captured by libs of TikTok, the Gay Straight Alliance Club at um, Ankeny High School invited drag queen performers in May for their end-of-year meeting without obtaining permission from administrators. One of the drag queens donned a one-shouldered uh, black leotard and long black boots before performing a provocative dance for students. Kimberly Rikes, the founder of parental, the parental rights group Iowa Mama Bears, noted during public comments at a Monday school board meeting but officials have neglected to provide the results of their investigation. Halfway through her remarks, the mother of seven removed her sweatpants and her jacket to reveal the same outfit that the drag queen had been wearing. She says in the in the clip, she says, does this outfit make your head turn? Does this outfit seem appropriate for anybody uh, here to see? This is what the man dressed like in front of your kids. So if this makes your head spin, if this pisses you off in any way, shape or form, it should. Because I'm embarrassed to stand here in the outfit that I'm in today. But I have to po- a point to prove that this outfit should not ever be accepted in our schools anywhere. And that is a, a, I mean, a pretty brilliant maneuver on her part. And it really does, I think, send a message. It makes the point that, you know, the absurdity, just the abject absurdity of all of this is that, you know, it is now considered appropriate. For men to wear women's outfits, certain types of women outs, women's outfits, in context when it would not be considered appropriate even for a woman to wear them. I think this is a, just a, a perfect way to prove that point. Yeah, she looks ridiculous wearing that outfit at a school function. It's just not an appropriate outfit. It's not even appropriate for women. And if it's not appropriate for women, it would be... It's not that it's less appropriate for men. It would be even more inappropriate for, for men. Obviously. Now, I point this out all the time with uh, with with the, the the drag shows where they invite kids to it. This is what's insane about it. One of the many things that's insane about it. That if you were to take all those men and keep everything the same. Outfits are the same. Performances are the same. The, uh, you know, given tips, the kids running up there with money, cash tips to give to the performers, keep all that the same, but instead make them women. If that was the case, then everyone would probably agree that this is not appropriate for kids. Because if they're actual women rather than men dressed up like women, it becomes what it is, which is a burlesque performance, Drag is, is male burlesque. It is a male burlesque performance. Now, you can feel however you feel about burlesque performances. And if you're an adult and, and you're in Las Vegas and you want to go to, a, to something like that, you can. But would anyone really think that it's appropriate to bring a kid to a, to a burlesque performance, much less to have one at a school? And anyone who suggested that, you would say, well, wh- why? Why do you want this in the school? What's, what's the point of, of all the things, of all the ways that we could use the time? We, you want to bring someone in and we want to use the auditorium and it's like we could do something education, you want to have a burlesque. Uh, we, 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 we would totally reject that for women. But you, you, you switch them out and make them men and it's supposed to be now suddenly acceptable. Uh, all right, moving on. This is from... The Daily Wire says the Satanic Temple filed lawsuits in federal court against uh, Idaho and Indiana last month over near-total abortion bans in both states, citing a list of accusations surrounding religious rights uh, blocking a woman's right to engage in the Satanic abortion ritual. In the wake of the U.S. Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade with the decision, James McNaughton, who's an attorney representing the Satanic Temple, told Axios that the historic reversal that returned abortion access to the states has quote woken a sleeping giant among women politically and have stirred up a hornet's nest of legal issues. McNaughton, McNaughton added quote "gorsuch you want a national debate on abortion congratulations you have one." Now yeah we've we've seen a lot of headlines about this and and the the satanic temple has been very involved they're very upset uh, about abortion, so-called abortion rights being taken away in some states. Even though that's happening in states where I'm guessing there are very few, you know, professing Satanists. But even so, they're very upset about it. And so the Satanic Temple, they want to position themselves at the forefront of this conversation. They want to make themselves leader, leaders of uh, in the fight for, quote-unquote, abortion rights. And I think that's great. I think it's just fantastic. Um, I, I, I hope they continue in these efforts. I really do. And uh, I I also agree that they should be at the lead. They should be in the forefront. They should be at the head of the parade. Because it is exactly right that abortion is a satanic ritual. So the more the Satanists outright profess Satanists, Satanists the more they're involved, uh, the more it puts this issue in the correct framing, puts it in its proper place. That abortion is a satanic ritual. And why is it a satanic ritual? You know why? Why do they consider it sacred? Well, you can ask them that, and they'll tell you. They're pretty open about it. And the reason is that, um, you know, the people that profess themselves to be Satanists, most of them don't think of themselves as literally worshiping the devil. Um, in fact, they would reject. That the devil even exists, and yet they call, and yet they've named themselves after him. Well, why is that? Because, rather than openly worshiping the devil, they are doing—they are modeling themselves after Satan. They are doing what Satan does. So instead of WWJD, it's WWSD for them. And uh, Satan worshipped him himself. Why he was cast out of heaven, right? As Scripture tells us. So uh, that's what Satanists do. It is Satanism is the worship of the self. It's not really the worship of Satan. It's the worship of, it's the the worship of what Satan worshiped, which is the self. And when it comes to worshiping the self, you know, if you have made the self into your God and that, and that's your religion, then yeah, abortion for them becomes this sacred sacrament, this unholy sacrament because you are sacrificing. It is a blood sacrifice to the self. You're sacrificing your own children for yourself, so that yourself can be, you know, so that you can have comfort and luxury and not be inconvenienced and everything else. It's really the ultimate statement. It's if it, 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 you can think of no sta- of a of a of a statement. There's no more profound and dramatic way to make the statement that I care about myself above anything and everything in the universe. They, the, the ultimate declaration is by killing your own child. You're saying, I, don't even, I, I, I put myself even above my own child. All right, this is from Fox News. It says, the animal rights activist who ran onto the field with a pink smoke bomb at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California, on Monday night during a game between the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers, has filed a police report for assault by Rams players who tackled him to end his demonstration. Before I read this any further, we should probably watch that moment purely for educational purposes. Um, okay, here we put it up because okay, there's the guy. He's not nude, at least. Usually these streakers are. And then, oh, he gets, he gets taken out. See, that is, well, let's go back and look at that again. Yeah, that's a form, form tackle. There's no helmet to helmet there. Um, he's leaning. So he's leaning. He's, he's, he's leading with his shoulder. And it's really, it's a shoulder against shoulder tackle that is well within the rules of, of the NFL. And if you step onto the uh, NFL field, if you step onto the football field, well, now you are. It's what matters are are the rules of football. Yeah, in a, in a normal circumstance, if you're just taking a jog down the street, and someone runs up and tackles you, then that's assault. But on a football field, you know, in between the sidelines, the rules are different. Um, a person close to Alex Taylor, the man who was taken down by Rams linebacker Bobby Wagner and defensive end uh, Takaris McKinley during this demonstration, told Fox News that he's considering his options, including legal action against the players involved and the NFL. Direct action everywhere is the organization took responsibility for the demonstration by Taylor and Allison Flutie, who was apprehended before running on the field. Taylor was able to avoid Levi Stadium security before Wagner and McKinley stepped in and put an end to the demonstration. And now he's, okay, so now he's thinking about suing or filing charges because he was assaulted. Um, And Wagner was asked about this, and he said that uh, he doesn't really want to talk about it anymore. He's already addressed it, but he also says that actions have consequences. He says there's consequences for your actions, which I think just about summarizes it. This is probably the ultimate example of "f around and find out, as the kids would say. Let's get to the comment section. Well, I've been debating telling this story because um, it's somewhat embarrassing, but it's also funny. And at this point, what difference does it make? So here's another story from my sordid past. Uh, another skeleton buried deeply in my closet secret that I've kept hidden for so long. In this case, I've kept it hidden for about four days, to be precise. So this past Saturday, uh, I went with my wife and uh, some other members of the Daily Wire crew, Michael, Brett Cooper, uh, the God King Jeremy Boring, other members of the executive team. We went to the Gary Sinise Foundation fundraising banquet for veterans at the, uh, the Gaylord here in Nashville. It's a very nice event, very swanky, uh, sort of event where I feel horribly out of place. There were lots of famous people milling around. Renee Zellweger was there. Uh, it was emceed by Kelsey Grammer and Patricia Heaton. Mark Wahlberg made a surprise uh, appearance by video. And uh, it may sound like I'm only telling you this story so I can brag about this fancy dinner, but you'll soon see that uh, that, that, that is not the case. That's not the point. So early on in the night, before the main course was served... They're doing a lot of, uh, there's a lot of introductions, formalities, ceremonial type stuff, which is normal for an event like this. And uh, there are lots of reasons to stand. And so we're getting our cardio in, you know, standing, doing standing ovations and so on. We stood for the anthem. We stood for uh, various other things. About 20 minutes into this, I get a little distracted. They come by. They're picking up the salad plates. It's making clanking noises like people. There's chatting going on. I'm distracted. I, I'm only half listening to what's being said up on the stage. And what I hear, I hear the, the, the person say, "Something, something. Please rise. Something, something." So I instinctively thought that you know we were rising maybe to for the prayer before the meal or the pledge or something like that. So uh, so I stand because she said, "Please rise," and we've been we've already been standing a lot. So I just I stood, and after I stand, I look around and I realize that not everyone is standing. In fact, only about a third of the room is standing. But at this point, I'm already committed. I can't sit back down. Um, I'm in too deep, right? And at first, I thought, well, hey, you know, maybe we're the more patriotic ones. Maybe we're, you know, we're standing to, a, for you know, whatever it is we're standing for. Maybe it's because we're the more patriotic ones. But then to my horror, the rest of the audience begins to applaud us who are standing. And now I'm panicking in my head because I'm thinking, um, all right, I stood to be applauded for something. I don't know what. Uh, did they ask for podcasters to stand up and be recognized? Let's hope it's that. It seems unlikely. Then I sit back down, and Knowles, who is just beaming with glee at this point, turns to me and goes, thank you for your service. And then I realized that they asked military members to stand, and I stood. But I didn't serve in the military. So I stole valor. I am guilty of stolen valor accidentally. But here's the worst part. This is why I really want to bring this up. I was at a table with my friends, my colleagues, my wife, my own wife, and none of them told me to sit down. None of them tugged on my jacket and said, hey, sit down, idiot. It's not you. Instead, apparently, they were just like giggling like schoolgirls, enjoying my humiliation, um, allowing me to accidentally steal valor for, for 35 seconds. So this is all really their fault, is what I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, and then for the rest of the night, every time there was a, uh, another occasion to stand, my wife would lean in and say, you can stand for this. And then at one point, Jeremy comes over from another table and he says, oh, so I was just over there Googling, did Matt Walsh serve in the military? Everyone had a good laugh over that. I was very much the butt of the joke the entire evening. And then I made the mistake of telling Sean, my producer, about this on Monday. And later that afternoon... We're boarding a plane and they call for boarding group one. And I walk by and Sean says, are you boarding for first class or because you're in the military? So these are the jokes that I have invited. So what's the what's the real lesson? You know, I guess it's like, don't 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 just stand because everybody else is. I guess, no, that puts the blame back on me. I was trying to shift it, and I'm shifting it back over to the people that are there with me. All right, Smintz says, imagine being in the hotel room next to the sweet daddy and hearing him do the podcast through the walls. I actually think about that uh, every single time we're in a hotel room doing the podcast because, you know, hotel room lo- walls are pretty thin. And so, yeah, there is, at every single hotel we stop at, there's, there's at least one person who, against their will, is forced to experience uh, the Matt Wall Show podcast and if they were forced to experience this one in particular without context they are going to be very confused cheriaki says your first showing of what is a woman had more in attendance than bros had in over 3000 theaters uh that, that yeah that's sort of true like I, I would like to say that so we we've done okay well we had we had the screening at uh, at the catholic university before that our 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 one real sort of screening in a movie theater happened in uh, franklin tennessee just south of nashville And we had, I think, we we sold the place out, we had like 350 people, and I did do the math on it, and I think bros would have averaged 150 per screening, so we doubled them. So we got that going at least. Um, and Curtis says, Matt's message about self-hatred resonates with my experience with men who transitioned to women while I was working in mental health. They were unhappy with how they were. They were convinced that getting surgery and hormones would make them happy. And when it didn't, they were filled with rage and depression. Back then, it was harder to transition. There was a requirement for psychiatric evaluation. With that now gone, I'm sure it is much worse. Um, yeah, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, this, this, you know, thinking that you can transition and make yourself happy, it is, uh, it's, it's the kind of mistake and misunderstanding that 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 everybody makes, oftentimes in, in much less dramatic and permanent ways. But it's 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 a kind of common human misconception that if you're very unhappy, um, that you could just change some external thing and that'll fix it. So you'll hear someone's like they're unhappy, so they're just gonna like move to another town, or you know they're, they're just like they they look for these external things that they can change, um, thinking that's gonna make them happy. Uh, but but it very rarely works because uh, that happiness is it's it's come it's internal right a lot of that is is emanating from within it's coming from within it's not from without and so you can change the external but it's not going to change what's going on inside and again that's so gender transition is just the most horrific permanent dramatic example of that kind of misconception where in this case someone's saying i'm going to change all of these external aspects of my body And hope that that does it. But it still doesn't because the problem, again, is internal. It's inside you. You know, this Monday, we will celebrate one of my personal favorite holidays and the left's least favorite, Columbus Day. And while many woke companies will ignore or attempt to rebrand this holiday, Jeremy's Razors will honor it with an historic sale. Uh, From now uh, through October 12th, you can purchase a Founder Series Shave Kit for 40% off plus free shipping. That's a 1% discount for each of the 40 Christopher Columbus statues that have been removed or destroyed in this country by illiterate buffoons. It's time to stand up and celebrate history in defiance of those who wish to cancel it and stop giving your money to woke razor companies that hate you. Give it to Jeremy instead. Navigate your way to jeremysrazors.com and enjoy a sale for the ages. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So today for our Daily Cancellation, we turn to the contentious subject of gender reveals. Of course, a gender reveal is the, uh, I believe, quite modern tradition of an expecting couple announcing the baby's sex through some elaborate bit of pageantry. People sometimes go to exorbitant lengths to reveal their baby's gender. Unfortunately, these methods tend to involve pyrotechnics and fireworks. And over the last few years, many thousands of innocent lives have been lost due to gender reveal mishaps. I believe the current estimate is that one out of every five people in the country will die from a gender reveal related accident. I think that's an actual statistic that I just made up. The death toll has had the effect of making gender reveals slightly less popular over time and certainly more controversial. Now, some argue that revealing the gender is worth any price humanity must pay for it. Others argue that they would prefer not to have their home and family incinerated because somebody wanted to set off fireworks that spell the words, it's a boy in the sky. So there's something to be said, I think, for both perspectives. Uh, both are valid. But all of this has given rise to a new favorite American pastime. Um, so on one hand, there is the gender reveal, and on the other, there is the increasingly popular tradition of complaining about gender reveals. This will become a war of attrition once the anti-gender reveal factions start using fireworks to spell out their arguments. At that point, it won't be long until the whole world is aflame. We inch closer to that Apocalyptic reality every day, especially the more we hear stories like this. This is from Yahoo News. A gender reveal party in Brazil last month sparked an investigation after a local waterfall was dyed blue during a couple's celebration, according to authorities. Um, Last month, Mato Grosso's Environment Protection Agency said the 59-foot waterfall known as, I'm not even going to attempt that. Yes, I will. Cacoera Camape. Cacoera Camape era kimape Anyway, was dyed blue by a family member of the expectant couple, according to Washington Post. According to SEMA, the waterfall feeds into a river that serves as a water source for uh, another thing that I won't pronounce, which has been experiencing droughts in recent years, the paper reports. The original video, which has since been deleted off Instagram, showed the moment the waterfall turned blue to indicate the couple are expecting a boy, according to the independent. Clips that have um, been shared online also show the party's balloon decorations, powder cannons, and cheering guests, the video has sparked backlash with many social media users criticizing the use of the dyed waterfall at the gathering. First of all, aren't waterfalls already kind of blue in the first place? It seems unnecessary. Now, yes, it, does, it, does, it, 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 may, it may seem gratuitous to contaminate a whole water supply in order to tell the world you're having a boy. Um, we have never elected in our family that sort of strategy with any of our children personally. For us, it's always, it's always seemed easier to tell people the sex of the child by, well, just telling them the sex of the child. Uh, we just use our, our vocal cords to express ourselves in that regard. And that's why I'm sympathetic to the criticisms of gender reveals. In fact, I believe that in the past I have actually canceled gender reveals during this very segment for the reasons that have already been outlined. But I've had a change of heart. Um, I don't think I've ever done anything like this before. But uh, today, you know, today is, a, is a, a day of firsts in so many ways. Today I am canceling my cancellation. It is not gender reveals that are canceled, I've decided, but the critics of gender reveals, except me. And the reason is simple. We live in a culture where it is now actually, I think it is now actually worthwhile to celebrate and acknowledge a child's gender before birth. There is value now in making special note of the fact that the child has a gender and that the gender is knowable and it is known. Every gender reveal, signifies a child who will be born with an identity rather than an identity crisis. As this, this may not be the explicit intention of the people who engage in this practice, but in effect it is a celebration of biological truth. It flies directly in the face of the absurd modern notion that a baby's gender can't be determined at all and we have to wait for him to decide for himself. You must also you might also say that the gender reveal is a celebration of the humanity of the child in utero. It's a very pro-life tradition, you could argue. According to the left, the baby in the womb has no personhood at all, let alone a gender. He is a nondescript, ambiguous clump of organic matter. And then he's born, and through his passage through the birth canal, somehow he is imbued magically with with the breath of life, they say. But he's still ambiguous. Um, He's he's neither male nor female. He is this sexless being stuck in limbo until one day he picks up a Barbie doll, and, and that's what makes him a girl. So this is how the left imagines that gender is determined. And it's why they have argued, Demi Lovato said this recently, that um, gender reveal parties are transphobic. Forget contaminating the water supply or burning down a thousand acres of forest. What they really hate about the gender-reveal is that it reveals the gender. It tells the secret that they would rather keep hidden away, even from the child himself. It, it, It asserts an objective reality. And there is nothing the left hates more than that. And that ultimately is why I must finally come to the defense, even if nobody else will, of the gender reveal, and say to its distractor, detractors, with whom I used to align myself, you are canceled. And that'll do it for us today, as we move over to the members block of the show. Hope to talk to you uh, then. If not, talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed.